You're listening to How Do I Sponsor a Refugee, a podcast brought to you by MCC Saskatchewan. Hello, and welcome to episode one of How Do I Sponsor a Refugee? My name is Kate Harriet. I work in simulation-based healthcare education for the health sciences in the University of Saskatchewan. I grew up in a family that participated in a few private sponsorship groups, and so I knew of its existence as a thing that not just big organizations, but that you know everyday people could do. I knew it about it through their eyes and their experiences, but never thought of it as something that I had the expertise to do until through Climate Justice Saskatoon, uh, we learned of some uh, climate refugees. And so I started working on a refugee sponsorship working group. And now we're in that strange middle, midway of the process where we're yeah, preparing so and waiting. Yeah, we've, so we've kind of dumped you into it, haven't we, Kate? Yeah. And, and yeah, <laughs> you seem reasonably happy about that. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for your regular work, you used to be an actor. Maybe you will yeah. be again one day. And, we don't But now know. you're teaching people to act being sick. Yes, basically, <laughs> yeah. Essentially, I teach you how to be unwell so that different kinds of health sciences learners, dentistry students, medical students, nursing students, can figure out how to to diagnose you and how to communicate with you as if you're a patient. Mm -hmm. So that's Kate. Um, I'm Mark, and I am the Migration and Resettlement Coordinator for Mennonite Central Committee, Saskatchewan. Uh, (laughs) Another long title for a job. Another long title for a job, which means basically I work in support of refugees, mostly through private sponsorship, which is what this this first podcast is about, and the next few will be as well. But also, why are there so many refugees? And that's, that's another part yeah. of, of my work, is to try to build awareness, build advocacy, build the sort of measures that will help to mitigate the refugee crisis that's happening worldwide. Yeah. Not wanting to put a downer on it, but... No, this but it is, is that it's that um, that upstream thinking that we that we talk about sometimes. Where yes, we can spend lots of time and, and energy and and love and hard work helping refugees. That their only option right now, or their safest option, is to come to Canada, so we can help them when it happens. But thinking more upstream, how do we mitigate the causes? Yeah, precisely. Precisely. And the organisation that I work with, Mennonite Central Committee, is doing all sorts of things that have relevance to that in aid, development and peace building. But I think there's more that can be done and more that can be done here. So, Mm. but anyway, we'll come to that (laughs) in one of the later podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big big picture to look at. So we're going to take it piece by piece and hopefully answer lots of the questions that are in listeners' minds and introduce them to more questions that they might have for uh, people yeah, like you, Yeah, absolutely, Mark. absolutely. And they can contact me. So, uh, starting really basic, mm-hmm. someone hears the term private sponsorship. They know it has something to do with refugees. 
they know it has maybe something to do with money, but what is it if you're just explaining the term to someone off the street? They go, hey, what is that? Okay, I mean, I think probably actually I need to start a little bit further back. Like, sure. what is a refugee? Yeah, uh, there we go. Yeah, because there are, I just yeah. learned this recently because of my sister's new job, that there are differences between refugees, um, immigrant, like there's all, so many different terms that denote different yeah, things according sure. to government. Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, when people are displaced from their homes through violence, through threats, through war, if they have a legitimate reason to flee, not just their homes, but their countries, then, under international law, they are recognised as refugees. There's an awful lot of people who are displaced within their own country as well. Right. And in some ways, those, those people have a harder time. You know, I mean, there's, there's over 80 million displaced people in the world at the moment. Wow. Of those... Only about 25 million counts as, as refugees because they've crossed an international border. Right. And those are the people that we can help. Mm-hmm. We can't help the internally displaced people from Canada. Well, I mean, we can send aid and those, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And MCC is doing that. But in terms of this program, in terms of sponsoring people and bringing them to Canada and enabling them to live here, mm-hmm. it's refugees. So private sponsorship is, is about enabling them essentially to find a new life here. Uh, the people that we bring are people that we kind of assume that there isn't what's called a durable solution for them, okay. either by going back home to their own country or in the country where they have found temporary refuge. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing people who need to be somewhere else. Yeah. Often the people that we bring are people who've got family members here because they've got someone to advocate for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There are other people that we bring under, especially under one of the government programmes that we'll be talking about in a bit, who are recommended by the UNHCR, that's the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, and the Canadian government takes a list of people from the UNHCR and, and then draws up their own shorter list from that, and then those are uh, offered to us as options as well. So that's, that's a different route. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically about, as far as we're concerned, we want to meet the needs of the, the people with the biggest needs. That's really what sponsorship is about. That's first, the first stage, <laughs> is just getting them here, which is... Yes, we'll find out in the, in the next yeah. few podcasts. It's a long process. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, getting them to safety. But then the other thing is enabling them to integrate into Canadian society so that they can function fully without losing their own culture. Yeah. So I think before I got involved in this current um, refugee sponsorship group, I think I would have assumed that private sponsorship started when the folks arrived in Canada, in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have thought about any of the paperwork or communication that happens up to that point. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just my assumption or if that's something that other people think of or, or don't, don't realize about the process as well, is that sometimes it's there's quite a bit of a back half. It is a long process. Yeah. Well... 
it's not always a long process, but mm. when the Canadian authorities have to check people out, mm-hmm. you know, they, they want to know that they're not terrorists. They want to know that they're not going to bring some dread disease into the country. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to know that they're not security risks in some other way, organised criminal gangs or whatever. Yeah. So they check people out extremely thoroughly, or at least the amount of time they take, we hope it's extremely thorough. Right. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it does take time. So can anyone join a sponsorship group? Like, what does it take to be the right kind of person to be a private sponsor? Well, well apart from being a wonderful person like you. Can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, basically, I mean, as far as the, the Canadian government's concerned, we're talking about a scheme that's been in place since 1979. Okay. So, I mean, there was, there was sponsorship before that, but it was right. formalised with the government in 1979 okay, yeah. at the time when there were the, known as the boat people, people who were fleeing from Vietnam and you know, Southeast Asia generally mm-hmm. following the war there. This scheme essentially enables Canadian citizens, but now also permanent residents, mm-hmm. to form groups to bring people here. So... Yes, in principle, anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. But we have to set certain criteria because, you know, we want to know that people are going to do it well. Yeah. So we want to know that all the money is going to be there. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we will talk about in a later podcast mm-hmm. in, in tedious detail. But, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's one of the it's really important things to, to address. And we want people to be ready to do it. That, you know, yeah. we, we want to know that they're doing it out of good motives, and you know, there are lots of different good motives, mm-hmm. and we want to know that they actually have the capacity to do it, because yeah. with some families it can be quite hard work, with others it's not, and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know at the outset which it's going to be. Right. With some people you do, but with, with a lot of them you don't. Yeah, so. so the capacity for a number of possibilities has yeah. to be there. Yeah. And the the will to do it coming from a good place, how do they determine whether or not you're a good person doing it for the right reasons? Is there a form you fill out that says I'm a good person? Or how does that process work? Uh, it's Well, I mean, for, for me, it's a matter of sort of, do I think this is a good person? Uh, right, because you yeah. you talk to these groups. Yeah, I, I, I talk to the people who want to bring people. And I mean, so often it's people who want to bring family members. And, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I mean, there's a good motive there, usually. And then sometimes it's people who really want to help. So, I mean, that's a good motive. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that we do discourage is, how do I put this? I guess being patronising. Sure. You know. The saviour complex. Yeah, that sort of thing. Imagining, you know, these people are going to be endlessly grateful, their lives will be uncomplicated by us saving them from their former situation. And sometimes they are, and sometimes embarrassingly so, and sometimes they are not at all, Mm -hmm. and usually it's somewhere in the middle. We're not adopting them. We're enabling them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the shifts the important shifts in language and perspective for mm-hmm. me as I was thinking about this process right when I first joined 
was, I think my sister said to me, she said, you know, these folks, they're not excited about, like, not necessarily excited about coming to Saskatoon. <laughs> it's not where they want to be yeah. living. They would want to be living with their family, with their home, yeah. where everything yeah. Yeah. in their world makes sense. Yeah. And they have to come here. And so the idea that you're saving them from a terrible situation, you are enabling them to get to a a better, yeah. safer situation and helping them for that first year or as long as it takes for them to have the confidence and resources and skills to be on their own two feet yeah. for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, as far as the government's concerned, it's a year. Yes. Yeah, that's the formal part that's, of it. But... Yeah, but, you know, I mean, you form relationships and, and mm-hmm. you know, once you been helping people you continue helping them don't you and you yeah yeah so there's that so who do you have to be you have to be a person with the right you know you have to have done some serious thinking about it some soul searching where you think about your reasons why and your capacity i know a couple folks in our group they have a lot of free time during the day they have a car you know there's some things to think about that we'll talk about in other Mm -hmm. uh, other episodes but We'll talk more about this in future sessions, but what are the sort of basic things that you, the tasks that have to happen? If you're being a sponsor, what does that mean you're then obliged to do? What do you have to do? There's a few sort of basic things. You know, you meet the people at the airport. You have arranged accommodation for them by that stage. Yes. Yeah, they need to actually have somewhere to live. Yes. And you've furnished it and you've put kitchen equipment in it. And, you know, all those basic things, you know, enabling them to get a start. And anyone coming into Canada needs to have certain bureaucratic procedures. You know, they need to have a right. SIN number. Mm-hmm. There's a number. It's a social insurance number. So it's, yeah, we call uh, it so SIN number. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, they need their permanent residency card mm-hmm. because when they arrive, they are already permanent residents. Right, and that's. that's yeah. Taken care of That's by the government process. Taken care they... of, but sometimes they have to be chased off to get the card. Ah. They need to get a health card. They need to, you know, make sure the kids are in school if, if they're kids. Yeah. Child tax benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all those sort of basic government things. And then what skills do you need in order to just function in Canadian society? You know, you need to be able to go to the shops. You need to be able to go to the bank and you know, have a bank account negotiate those things obviously in order to do those you need to be able to make yourself understood and as people in this society on the whole are monolingual yep you need to learn english (laughs) Um, especially in this province too. there are other languages that are commonly spoken but not uh like the dominant language is just english yeah and then it's it's just sort of Moving on from there, it's, it's sort of getting your, your, your roots down, getting your, your branches out, your leaves growing, your, yeah. your fruit. <laughs> the continued uh, metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, I think one of my surprises, or not surprises, just something I didn't know about this process, is that it's more, I guess, guided by the needs of the people you are helping. Mm-hmm. And... There are some templates you can follow, but other than getting all the right paperwork done, accommodation, job, school, those sort of like 
basic building blocks mm-hmm. of a life. The rest of it really is you are now a part of their life. Yeah. You are their friend. Yeah. You are their neighbor. Yeah. yeah. You help them out when they have questions. You give them rides places. You check in and have supper and help them build yeah. a garden in the summer. Yeah. There's, it can be just guided by what your relationship is to this oh, precisely. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like any other friendship, except you've yeah. got a bit of a cultural barrier to get across and, and yes. initially usually a linguistic barrier. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and maybe for some time a linguistic barrier, because English is not necessarily the easiest language. Oh, yeah, that's what I've, I've heard from yeah. a number of folks who yeah. speak many languages and then learned English, that it is infinitely yeah. frustrating. So just to sum up what we talked about today in our first episode of this podcast is the basics of what is a private sponsorship, who can be a sponsor, and what you have to do to be a sponsor, what it's what tasks are entailed in being a private sponsor or being a part of a private sponsorship group. Next episode, we're going to spend some time talking about what it looks like to get started with MCC, what sort of information MCC is going to need from your group as soon as you decide you want to embark on the journey of being a private sponsor. And Mark will also help me to understand a number of different government programs that refugees can access to come and be sponsored in Canada. And it's all a lot simpler than it sounds. (laughs) I'm not going to trust you on that. Please note that this series of podcasts, which we're calling How Do I Sponsor a Refugee, because that's what they're about, are quite specific in the detail to how we do things at the Mennonite Central Committee office in Saskatoon. Not every sponsorship agreement holder will do things in exactly the same way. We're all subject to the same government rules. We're all subject to the same expectations. But we handle things slightly differently from one group to another. And so if you're looking to sponsor through somebody else or you, if you have experienced sponsorship through somebody else or even through us in the past, you will notice some differences. We would like to invite people who haven't thus far been involved in sponsoring refugees to consider it. And if you would like to get involved, and especially especially if you want to sponsor someone who's not related to you, if you want to welcome the stranger, that is, feel free to contact me, this is Mark Bickland Pritchard, at migration at mccsk.ca. That's migration at mccsk.ca. And I say, you know, especially people who aren't related to somebody that they want to bring, because we have a number of people that we would be very happy to be able to bring who are in serious problems, but who don't have the people here to support them at this point to form a strong enough group or to provide the money. And so if you can help in either or both of those ways, then obviously we will be very, very glad to hear from you. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to How Do I Sponsor? A refugee. How Do I Sponsor a Refugee is a podcast of Mennonite Central Committee, Saskatchewan. All speakers are responsible for their own comments. 
We are grateful to Erin Brophy and Fletcher Forehand for providing the music.